Morning, church. You may take your seats. Are you well? That is good. Great to be with you this morning and um, great privilege again to, to gather around God's Word and as Pastor just said, to be challenged and inspired and motivated. And I think every time that we open God's Word, that ought to be our posture. If you've got your Bibles with you, I'd love it if you could turn to the book of Acts, found in the New Testament, Acts chapter 2. We're going to be reading four verses today, um, and then we'll go from there. It says this, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word. God, we thank you for the transforming power of your word. And I pray this morning that your Holy Spirit would speak to hearts would speak to situations and speak to circumstances. Heavenly Father, that we would walk out of church different to how we came in, not because we've done church, but because heaven has spoke in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, today is Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost Sunday. One of the most frequently asked questions that I get uh, asked as a pastor when they find out that I uh, am, am a minister, they say, what denomination are you? And usually, well, my response is always, uh, we're from a Pentecostal church. And usually that's a, that's a conversation killer right there. A, because they have no idea what I'm talking about, because usually they're more aligning with their traditional uh, denominations like Anglican, Church of England, and, and all those ones, they have no concept of what a Pentecostal church is, or they have a very warped perception of what a Pentecostal church looks like. So you're the happy clappers, the jolly jumpers, the holy hand grenades. That's how people understand, some people understand, Pentecostal churches. And so what is Pentecostal Sunday? And what is a Pentecostal church? What does that even mean, the word Pentecost? Well, we understand that it is 50 days after Easter, after Jesus was crucified, 50 days after that day marks the birth of the church. Today, we would say, is the church, the church's birthday 50 days from when the church was born. If we were to look at a timeline, it's seven weeks plus one day, 49 days plus one day from when Jesus was crucified that we read about in the Gospels to Acts chapter 2. Jesus was crucified at Passover. And then what we see in the upper room, what we just read in the book of Acts 2, is the Feast of Weeks. We know that Jesus walked the earth for 40 days after he was resurrected. For 40 days, he walked the earth and then he ascended back to heaven to one day return. And so most Bible commentators and theologians believe that the upper room experience lasted approximately 10 days as the believers and the followers of Jesus 
waited for the promise of the gift that Jesus talked about in the Holy Spirit. And so the word Pentecost means 50 days from when he was crucified to when the Holy Spirit came and indwelt Jesus's followers. Hope that's bringing some clarity. And so the followers of Jesus gathered and they received this promise of power that would be poured out. And that power then ignited a fire, a fire for the church in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You can't get much further than from Jerusalem than where we are today in Toowoomba, Queensland, Australia. And so what we're experiencing today is literally a domino effect that happened in that upper room where the word went out, the gospel began to spread all across the four corners of the globe and the church was born. Depending on how you grew up or if you grew up in church, like I said, the word Pentecost or Pentecostal churches will mean different things for you. Essentially, I believe that whenever we talk about the Holy Spirit, there's usually two types of people in church. There's people that are all about the Holy Ghost. And every Sunday has to be about the manifestations. And every Sunday has to be about the Holy Ghost. But then there's another group of people that are so freaked out about that stuff. And they're like, I'm cool with Jesus. I'm cool with God. But the Holy Ghost and the Holy Spirit stuff, man, that just freaks me out. See, sadly, at times, I believe the church has exchanged theatrics for theology. I've been in meetings where I have experienced the manifest presence of God. And so hear me clearly tonight, today. I've been in meetings where people have prayed for me and have been uh, felt the manifest presence of God. So I'm not here to deny that. But I've been in other meetings where it's been more about man than God. And it's taken away from the power and the presence of God. And what happens is because a narrative has been taught about Pentecostalism, and that's what it is, we have believers who are walking around freaked out by it, and they're missing out on walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. Because they've seen stuff online, they've seen a video, they've had wrong teaching, and they have such a warped perception about the power of the Holy Spirit. And so... I don't profess to be an ex expert by no means, but my intention today is hopefully to try and teach and preach effectively on the power of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost Sunday. Is that a good thing? I think the first place that we have to start is who is the Holy Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit? John chapter 14 verse 16, 16 to 18 says this, and I will ask the Father, and this is Jesus speaking, and he will give you another advocate. He will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later be in you. First thing that we recognize about the Holy Spirit when we say, who is the Holy Spirit? Because sometimes we can get all mystical and magical with the Holy Spirit. But the first thing that we have to understand what Jesus describes is he is a person. He is a person. He is the third member of the Trinity. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
Most of us are cool with God and Jesus because we can kind of wrap our, our heads around that. But when we talk about the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit is a person. And my translation says that he is an advocate or others might say that he is a counsellor. The New Testament was written in, in Greek and the word for counsellor or advocate is parakletos, which means helper. He is our helper. He is our life coach. And the great thing about our, the Holy Spirit is wherever we go, he lives within us. Wherever we go, he lives with us. So that's who the Holy Spirit is. He is a person, he is a helper, and he is the third member of the Trinity. He is not some weird cousin of Jesus and God and we put him in a box because we do not understand. I don't have the time to preach on the Trinity today, but sadly that's often what Christians do because we can't figure it out. When is the Holy Spirit? Well, we have to understand that the Holy Spirit didn't come about when Jesus died. The Holy Spirit was there at the foundations of the earth. He was right there with Jesus and God. Before the foundations were laid. So we know who he is, we know when. The only other question really perhaps to ask is why? Why do we need the Holy Spirit? Earlier this week, we had to purchase a new electric stovetop because our other one stopped working. And so we had the the stovetop installed and uh, as the electrician left, I turned it on and everything fired up. It was this beautiful new touch panel one. And as I started to read the manual and tried to figure it out, there was no heat. that that It would turn on, but there was no heat in the hot plates. And I'm like, well, that's that's not going to be effective. Like, I'm no cook, but that's not going to work for me. And so the panels would all light up and it would make all the beautiful noises, but there was no heat. It had everything, but it had no heat. And so after a little bit of investigation, I looked underneath into the cupboard and where it had been installed and on the electric stovetop it wrote demo mode. It had been sold to us in demo mode which we have to wait another week for a technician to come out. So, you know, we're taking food donations after the, after the service. It's actually quite good because we get to have takeaway and Uber Eats for about a week so Ange is thrilled about that. But it had everything but it had no... It was stuck in demo mode. And this is what I believe. Followers that don't fully understand and have that revelation of the Holy Spirit are Christians in demo mode. No heat, no power. Matthew chapter 3 verse 11 says, John the Baptist will baptize in water, but Jesus, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. What does heat and what does fire do? It consumes you. When the Holy Spirit indwells you, it's not a makeover, friend, it's a takeover. He consumes your life, becomes all about God, becomes all about how you want to live your life for Him. As a church, we believe that when the Holy Spirit indwells us, he carry, we carry His presence, which means you don't have to, get to wait to get to church on a Sunday to get into God's presence. You can get into God's presence wherever you go because you carry God's presence within you. So we know the who, he's a person. We know the when, at creation, we know the why. But here's a few other thoughts around the Holy Spirit's power. Is this helping anyone today? 
Acts chapter 2 verse 1 says this, On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in where? In one place. The precursor or the prerequisite to the power of the Holy Spirit being poured out was what? Unity. The believers and the followers of Jesus, they were following a pattern and a rhythm of ecclesia, gathering together. You know that it was approximately 500 people that saw Jesus alive after he rose. 500 people, and yet there was only 120 in the upper room. 500 people saw Jesus resurrected, but only 120 were in the upper room. I never want to view my faith in the context and in the posture of what's convenient and what's comfortable. Jimmy, do you think we should go to the upper room with the others? Nah, let's go to the coast of Galilee. Three hundred and eighty people missed out on the experience of the upper room because they decided to err on convenient and comfortable. I'm just a big believer of being in the room together with one place. And I believe that when we do that as the church, like we read about in the Acts chapter two, God's power can move. Something happens when we're all in the room together with one heart, with one cause, with one accord and one mind, and that is God. Something can happen. You know, in the book of Acts chapter 20, if we were to fast forward 18 chapters, there's a story of a man named Eutychus. And the Bible tells us that Paul is preaching, and, 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 and the, as he's preaching, he's going on and on. And Eutychus falls asleep in church. Some of you could relate to that. And as he falls asleep, he's leaning on a window and he falls out the window and he falls down three stories. You can check it for yourself. His name's Eutychus and he dies. How many people know that's a bad day in church? When you die in church. I mean, we've had some bad days in church, but when you die in church, that's not a good thing. But the Bible goes on to say that Paul prays for Eutychus and Eutychus lives. How many people know that's a good day in church? What's the principle? What's the pattern? Always be in church. In your good days, in your bad days, find yourself with other believers and other followers and watch God's power move. Something happens when we're all in the room together, like that 120. Look at me. I love you. And I'm saying this because I love you. We are either fully in for this thing that we call Christianity or we're on the fringes. If we're going to be Christians, can we at least try and be proper ones? I love technology. I love that we're broadcasting this message right now. And listen to me, if you're watching online, I love you. But there is something when we are all in the room together. The precursor, the prerequisite to God's power, to the Holy Spirit power is what? It is unity. Augustine, the theologian, said this, The Old Testament is the New Testament concealed, and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. In other words, the New Testament books, 27 of them, is found when you read the Old Testament. You can see the old in the new and the new in the old. They're both linked. They're not separate. 
There's a great parallel, in fact, with Acts chapter 2 and the book of Genesis. They are linked. What do we read in Genesis when God formed man? We read that he breathed the breath of life. The Hebrew word for that is ruach. He breathed ruach, the breath of life, into a man's body. And what happened? He came alive. Genesis chapter 2, we read that. In Acts chapter 2, we see a parallel. What did he do again? He breathed the breath of life. He breathed the spirit of God, ruach, like he did for Adam. He breathed the breath of life into the body of believers and they came alive as the church. Genesis chapter 2, Acts chapter 2. The Spirit of God breathed life into a physical body, but then He breathed life into a body of believers and it came alive. It came alive in mission. It came alive in purpose. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit in that upper room that day connected Christ and the body of believers to a commission to go and preach the gospel to all the world, baptizing them in the name of Jesus. The early church was given an assignment, and guess what? That assignment has not changed in 2023. We're still on mission, church. Sunday, the 5th of February, 2023, our senior pastor, Brendan Kelly, preached a message, what he really felt the word for this season for our church was being intentionally connected. When we are intentional and when we are with one cause, there is a power in God. So we have the precursor and the prerequisite of the power, the point of the power. Why do we need the power? What's the point of the power? Acts chapter 1 verse 8, Jesus is speaking. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me. If we follow that timeline, we follow Acts chapter 2, where after they have the upper room experience, Peter, a man named Peter, stands before thousands, preaches the gospel boldly, the Bible tells us, and thousands get saved that day. Remember Peter? Remember that guy? 50 days ago, he was denying Jesus. Three times. And a month and a bit later, he gets up on a platform probably much bigger than this, in front of a crowd much bigger than this, and he preaches the gospel and thousands get saved. Don't ever tell yourself that God can't use me, that you've had your expiry date with God because of something that you've done in your past. If it's good enough for Peter, it's good enough for you, friend. What's the point of the power? The point of the power is directly linked to people. It's no coincidence that when they were filled with the Holy Spirit, the very first thing they did was not stay in the upper room, but they went out into the community and they used that power to reach people, to stand boldly before others and preach the gospel. What's the point of the power? People. Sadly, what has happened in church, we've used the power to perform. And it's become about what we can do rather than about reaching people. What does Acts chapter 1 say? I will pour out my power and you will be my witnesses. What does that say to you and I as 2023 followers and believers of Jesus? That God's power is to reach people. 
God, God pulls out the Holy Spirit and his power for one reason, that we would be his witnesses. When we make it about people, God is glorified. When we make it about a performance, man is glorified. And that's not good. You know, the Bible talks about praying without ceasing. You know what that means? You know how I interpret that? It means inviting the Holy Spirit into every conversation. Inviting the Holy Spirit into every circumstance. And it's funny, when we do that, when we pray without ceasing, when, when, when we say to God, you are always welcome into every area of my life, it's amazing how many windows of opportunity arrive where you can drop heaven into earth. In a conversation, the Holy Spirit will give you the right words. In a situation, God can give you heavenly discernment. You know exactly what to do because you have clarity. That's not you, friend. You're not that good. No offense. That's the Holy Spirit leading and guiding. Why? Because we've invited him into that conversation. Why? Because the point of the Holy Spirit's power is people. The precursor is unity. The point of the power is people. And here's the last point. The power is found in the fruit. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 to 23 says this. But the Holy Spirit, key word, Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. You know where the fruit comes from? comes from a root, comes from a seed. And so if you don't like the fruit of your life, then you need to check the seed, the origin point. All fruit is, when we see fruit, it is the evidence of whatever it is attached to. So the proof of the Holy Spirit and His power is the fruit. So we know when the Holy Spirit is working in our life and when we have tapped into the power of the Holy Spirit, when we start to see love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. That's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. That's not you being a good Christian. It's the Holy Spirit that produces the fruit. So we can speak in tongues, which we believe in, We can spin around, we can jump around, we can do all those things. But if we don't do it with love, if we don't do it with joy, if we don't do it with peace, then you know what Paul says? You're nothing but a clanging cymbal, a resounding gong. None of that stuff is the proof if you don't have love or you don't have peace because it's the Holy Spirit that produces that fruit. And sometimes Pentecostal churches teach that the expression of the power of the Holy Spirit is when we get all mystical and magical on a Sunday, but then when we live our lives Monday to Saturday, there is nothing but sour fruit. It cannot be that way, friend. Hear me, I believe in the manifest power of the Holy Spirit. I'm not here to deny that. But what I am here to say is it's not always about What happens on a Sunday? How are we going with our love? How are we going with our joy and our peace? Hey, church, how are we going with our self-control? Want the power of the Holy Spirit? Paul talks about it in Galatians chapter 5. That's the fruit of the Holy Spirit working in your life. 
I'll finish with this if the team would come. Acts chapter 2, verse 39. Peter's speaking. And he says this. This promise, he's talking about the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, to your children, and to those far away. All who have been called by the Lord our God. Acts chapter 2 verse 39. What's he saying there? He's saying, hey, this upper room experience, the, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is to go from generation to generation. And I'm just so thankful that I've been a recipient of that. As the word got spread across the world, somehow through God's divine providence, it made its way into my heart and here we are today as followers and believers. of I mean, that is a miracle within itself. As the church began to grow and spread, we are still on mission, friend. Here's a couple of thoughts talking about the power of the Holy Spirit. What's the precursor? What's the prerequisite to power unity? So here's a question. Where is there disunity in my life? Where it, maybe there's some relationships that you need to mend. Maybe there are some things that you need to get resolved. I'm sorry, that would be a great start to a conversation to perhaps someone that you've hurt. Can I have your forgiveness? Where is there disunity in your life? Second thought. What does fire do when we talk about the power of the Holy Spirit? It's, it spreads. You know, most of us, a couple of years back, we were so devastated as we watched bushfires ravage our nation. It only takes one spark and a fire can spread. And so in one way, how contagious is your faith and your life? They say there's four Gospels. I'm not sure there is. I actually think there's five. It's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and you. And most people won't read the first four. They'll read you. How contagious is your faith? How contagious is the way that you live your life for Jesus? Do you live it with a boldness? Do you live it with a courage? like Peter did. I have no doubt that after Peter went through that incredible experience of preaching to thousands, I have no doubt there would be times where he would have his doubts. He would remember, I was the guy that denied Jesus three times. When no one else is around and he would have those moments. But it did not stop him and his boldness. Why? Because of the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul says that we are the living epistles known and read by all men. You know what? You're the Bible that your workplace will read. You're the Bible that your school will read. You're the Bible that your family will read. They will look at your life and they will look at how contagious your faith and how you conduct yourself. 
And that ought not put pressure on us. But when we operate in the Holy Spirit's power, it can spread. Because they're seeing the fruit that the Holy Spirit produces. Why don't you stand with me? Civic Church is a Pentecostal church. But I pray that we are always a church that understands theology over theatrics. Maybe you're here today and maybe you're like, I've always been cool with the whole Jesus and God thing, but I've heard people talk about the Holy Spirit and I know it's in the Bible, but it's just... It's just ambiguous. It's just a little confusing. Maybe something I've said today has, you know what? I want that power. I want, I want to step into that. I want, I want the Holy Spirit to produce that kind of fruit in my life. You know what the Bible says? When we have a desire for that, God will give it to us. And so we don't need to play loud music and do all the stuff and Make it a big performance for someone to receive the Holy Spirit and to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. John says, I baptize with water, which we do as a church as well. But Jesus baptized with fire, with the Holy Spirit. And so if you desire that, you simply ask God for that. And I believe that God not only infills, but He indwells on the inside of you. So come on, why don't we pray? Heavenly Father, God, we are so grateful for your Holy Spirit that wherever we go, in fact, tomorrow morning when we wake up, we won't find ourselves in civic church. We'll find ourselves at home, but we carry the presence of God. It is no longer God with us, but it is now God in us because of the Holy Spirit. And God, that presence carries a power. A power to walk with confidence. A power to walk with boldness. With a sense of identity of we know who we are. And God, I pray this morning that there might be people that are yet to be filled with that fire, that are yet to be baptised in the Holy Spirit. God, that you would create a thirst that you would create an appetite, a desire to be filled from the top of their head to the tip of their toes with your Holy Spirit. That they would go out of demo mode. They would be consumed by your Holy Spirit. God, I pray for people that perhaps are dealing with disunity in their life. There's broken and fractured relationships. Give them wisdom. Give them patience. Give them discernment. God, that we would remember the point of your power is people. And the proof of your power is the fruit. That we would be people of love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, self-control. That people would look at us we would know that it's not because of how good we are, but because we've invited the Holy Spirit into every area of our life. It's not a makeover, it's a takeover. 
and that we would glorify you, God. That you would get all the glory and we would keep none for ourselves. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. God bless you, church. Have a great week and we will see you next Sunday.